It's Cut to the Chase with Laura Curran. With me, Laura Curran. Let's bring in Laura Curran, a member of the Democratic Party. Joining us now by phone, Laura Curran. Laura, good morning. Now, here's your host, Laura Curran. Hello, I am Laura Curran, and this is Cut to the Chase, where we delve into politics, media, culture, and current events. Real conversations about real issues that affect our lives, no matter where we are on the political spectrum. All right, let's get right to it. Hello, everyone. It's Laura Curran and Cut to the Chase. I am so happy to have uh, as my guest today, Irina Kopanitsa. She is running, uh, she's doing a lot. Well, first of all, let's just start at the very, very beginning. You are a former Miss Ukraine. You have been running the pageant now for four years, but that's hardly touching the surface of what it is that you're actually doing. So we are speaking to you today from Ukraine. Can you please tell us where you are in Ukraine? Uh, right now I'm in Kiev, and uh, now actually I'm in a car driving because like every day uh, we have some programs that we launched with the psychological rehabilitation, with the replaced people from the most dangerous region like Mariupol, uh, Kharkov region and uh, psychological support and rehabilitation also for rape women and children. And so every day we have some classes, uh, some meetings, and uh, as soon as in Kiev, uh, very, very, very close, uh, soon gonna be a, a curfew. It's like like time when we need to be already at home. So now I'm, I'm in a hurry to go back home. Um, because usually it's like two or three times a day and night we have uh, alarms uh, about uh, like uh, missiles or alarms in the city. And this time we should be somewhere in some shelter or in some safe place. So um, from what so I understand, I used, I w- yeah, from what I understand, you have to move from place to place, from safe house to stay safe house to stay safe. Uh, yes, at least uh, at least like uh, last week or two weeks, uh, three times a day or two times a day and once at night, like at four or four thirty in the middle of the night, we have uh, we have this alarm that we need to move to some safe place. We cannot be outside. We cannot be some crowded places. I mean, it uh, it can be not dangerous, but like once a week because at least. Um, our military try to keep uh, Kiev as a capital safe. But at least, you know, sometimes once a few weeks, uh, something happens and we can receive some missile in some crowded place and it finally can be dangerous. So it's better to keep safe, better to follow all instructions, uh, safe instructions. So where are you right now as we're speaking? Uh, right now I'm driving from uh, our meeting uh, with replaced people to uh, to the house because uh, very soon it's like an hour after which nobody can uh, go outside in the street. I understand that your focus is on soldiers and also on the women and the children. What are you seeing in your work there day to day? We arrange uh, psychological rehabilitation. And uh, as well, it's an honor to me uh, to be involved uh, with the guys um, from, um, with their Alex Varabet and uh, with uh, their Ukrainian Community Developers Alliance in the project of uh, safety drapes. Uh, they, uh, you know, like, uh, it's some very uh, important details that we did 
take uh, attention on it, but uh, they focus my attention uh, on this thing that we need to power to power a to power window with this some special technology they can provide and help you train with to keep people safe. Because now, especially in some regions like Antarctica, uh, especially in children's hospitals, where we already have uh, like injured uh, pe- people, especially children, uh, that they can uh, not feel safe in the hospitals. Because like every day and every night, a, night, a lot of missiles there, and uh, it's very dangerous after this wave, after the missiles, uh, that you can receive damage uh, of um, it's a very, very small pieces of windows. Mm. So this is main to our main focus. It's psychological rehabilitation of women and unfortunately children. And uh, the second one is the safety grapes uh, together together with the guys where I involved now. So I very much appreciate that you're taking the time to talk to me and that you're talking to people Hello? from overseas. Can you hear me? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Oh, yes. See, this is, uh, it's it's hard to talk, right? Because we're there's so much going on with where you are. But I, I was just saying, I very much appreciate that you're taking the time to talk. And I, I was wondering, I mean, you obviously are talking to people overseas all the time. It must seem kind of, I would think, surreal and frustrating that there's war raging in your country with people dying every single day, bombs dropping, terrible, unspeakable things happening. But the rest of the world just seems to go along its normal way. What is your biggest message to the rest of the world, specifically to Americans? You know, I would say actually that um, I, we, I'm really, really amazingly grant, grateful to the to the rest of the world, to the whole world, because uh, I mean it's great. I don't feel that oh I'm in so unsafe place, uh, that oh I'm in such an unsafe place, and the the rest of the world is in such safe place. Mm. So uh, I don't feel like that. We really feel greatness because the whole world supports us so much that's unbelievably it's kind the another part of the war like one part it's so it's a cruelty and uh, all these tears that we have that uh, <laughs> you see uh, from all your friends every day and the other part it's like the great awakeness of humanity that we see from all people all over the world that support us that help us like you don't need to be in the same place i i feel that you really feel uh, us that you really help support so many people come to ukraine come to frontline uh, to help uh, to replace people uh, to help uh, to help everyone like that's really amazing and uh, we really uh, all our nation all ukrainians feel a great uh, greatness to the whole world You know, it's funny that you say that because as I was walking over here, I passed a house that had two big Ukrainian flags out front. Um, I see it in my neighborhood. I see it all around. There's a huge outpouring of love and support. But but I fear that the Ukrainians need more than our love. I mean, what else do you what else is needed in Ukraine? What else can we be doing in the international community to help? I guess support. I guess uh, support our programs like the guys from uh, from Alliance 
and uh, with the safety rapes, with uh, like psychological programs. I mean, uh, the world still help with different fundraising, with financing the programs, and we're really grateful also for, for all of you for doing that. This is really strange feeling that you uh, like from the other world. Like you know, I'm staying mm. here in Kiev now uh, in my mom's house. And I see all my long dresses, which I used wear like on the stage for interview, for social events that I used to have like at least once or two a day. And uh, it, I see it and I feel like it was some other life or other person. <laughs> because now I realize that my focus and focus of all people is completely different. Uh, when I was thinking uh, what problems uh, worried me uh, my previous life, I think that, oh my God, it's so stupid things. It's really so not, so not important, like mm -hmm. new collections of uh, the brands or whatever, or some uh, offending on people for some stupid things. That it's, it's really so stupid and not important, actually. Right. <laughs> so it's a strange feeling. I can, I can imagine just putting things into perspective. So uh, there's something else I wanted to ask you about, Irina. There was this very interesting story in the New York Times today about people in Kiev specifically going out to bars. Raves are starting to happen. People getting together socially as a way, as almost as a, obviously to have fun and to have a human connection, but also as protest. You know, saying our lives are not going to be completely consumed by this. We're going to find connection with each other. We're going to go out. We're going to have fun. We're going to go dancing. We're going to get some drinks. And that, it's such a brave act. Have you been seeing any of that? Uh, repeat, please, seeing what exactly? People going out, going out to, to bars, to nightclubs, and that sort of thing. Even though the curfew, everyone has to be home by 11 o'clock, people are just starting to go out again, starting to reconnect again with their friends and their neighbors, going out for a drink, going out to go dancing. You know, in, you know, in Kiev, no, in Kiev, Kiev definitely no. When I was passing Klivov, uh, there probably sometimes, because Klivov is actually much safe place. In Kiev, uh, definitely not. Like there is some certain time after after which nobody should be outside, and it's really like a horror movie. Like nobody outside, no cars, no people at all. Hmm. So in Kiev, uh, yeah, people visit some restaurants, start to open some bars, so people start to visit because actually, like you, you should keep on living. You cannot just. Uh, stay at home and cry and uh, that's it. I mean, I like the situation that uh, people, uh, like the, the the city and the car start to awake a bit. So people try to keep on doing businesses because we need to restart economy. We cannot just uh, we, we don't know what time the world going to stop. I mean, uh, we the world do whatever is possible to stop it as soon as possible. But we never know how long it will take and uh, I'm pretty sure that it's not the solution uh, to ask the world about all oh, help us or give us money or give us so we have to be independent and we have to restart our economy, our businesses, small businesses, middle businesses. So my biggest dream is um, to make uh, as, as quicker as it possible to make such safe situation in Ukraine and uh, to create conditions here, host our people back. 
I really want our people, Ukrainian, to come to come back to our country. I'm pretty sure that um, sometimes it's a bit uh, like uh, a bit. This can be discomfortable for other countries to host so many refugees, and um, and it's strange because all people have their home, their homeland, their country, native country, and. Um, I hope we'll. I hope we'll uh, finish uh, as soon as possible with all these war things and with all this awakening of humanity in the world, and uh, we'll come back to our human values and uh, and we'll keep on living in in different new worlds. So, Irina, you talk about restarting the economy and things perhaps getting back to normal, but clearly the Russians are not allowing this to happen. There are, you know, we're just reading here in here in the West about bombs falling on the ports, disrupting yes. the exports. So, what else can be done? Uh, I mean, uh, yes, and they see that and they feel that because actually I used to have manufacture of respirators mm. and it was in Kriminchuk region. So it's kind of industrial region. And uh, I mean, I, I used to have it before the war. I don't have it anymore. I mean, for me, it was also a bit like psychological uh, thing to realize the reality. I mean, to accept the reality that, okay, your previous life doesn't exist anymore. You need just to breathe out and go ahead. You need to concentrate on all your time on the social support, social activity, like your country needs this, need you, need your connections. And, um, you know, yeah, it's maybe strange to talk about restarting, relaunching the economy, but I still think that we need to, but I still think that we need, uh, that we need to do something. We cannot just uh, keep calm and wait till the end of the war. Right. Yes, they make a lot of damage to the manufacturers, to the economy, but um, but not to do anything is not the solution as well. Right. We need to believe in our army. We need to believe in our soldiers and uh, just uh, to keep on doing uh, our businesses, our whatever, or social job, or media job, or whatever. It depends depends on speciality of each person. So I have a question about, about the perception of Vladimir Putin within the Ukraine. Obviously, there is a history there. There's a shared history, uh, Slavic ethnicity, uh, Orthodox Christian. How was Putin perceived in the Ukraine before this war? Uh, you know, there is uh, like different parts of the story. There is one part which is more about um, Russian propaganda part of the history. Uh, so they they used to have a huge propaganda machine. You know, I used to live and work uh, in Bell Pottinger Company. It's mm-hmm. the one. It's used in London. Huge. So it used to be huge one of company. the yeah, it used to be uh, one of the biggest in Europe, at least, uh, in the political consulting company. And I remember very good that they've been financing so, I mean, they've been spending millions of dollars for media, mm. uh, for necessary for them information. Mm. So it's huge machines that have been working uh, for years, for, for dozens of years. And... Uh, uh, if you if you read the real history and if you read the Russian variant of the history, so it's completely different histories. 
And yes, we are like, we are Slavyanic, we are uh, closed nations, uh, geographically closed, but talking about mentality, we're quite completely different mentality people. I'm pretty sure that, you know, like it was always, um, when you look through the history, it was always very typical for Ukrainians to fight for their rights, not to accept anything that, is, uh, that doesn't work, uh, to build better conditions. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that these things are not typical to Russians. Like they keep silent, most of them. And, you know, you're talking about Kharkov. Kharkov, Kharkov is one of the most dangerous cities now. Uh, and in Kharkov, uh, people who are staying there, they uh, still like planting flowers because they want their city to be beautiful. Like every day and night, dozens of missiles uh, flying there. So people keep dying like much more than any other city. Mm. I mean, com- comparing to Central Park. Mm. But people want to stay and live in comfort, in beauty conditions. I mean, this is very small, but very small detail. What region is that in? Uh, it's uh, Kharkov. Kharkov, it's like not Donbass, but it's very close to the border. It's mm. very close to Belgorod. Mm. So the Russians, it sounds like what you're saying, have a, have a pretty sophisticated propaganda machine. Um, I mean, uh, as I know, uh, their usual budget for propaganda, it's kind of uh, over $1 billion. Mm. So, and for this year, uh, due to some material that we used to research, it's over $2 billion. So can you imagine like spending over $2 billion for international propaganda machine? So they um, mm. pay and support and order some information, materials, they uh, pay to journalists uh, worldwide. So this is, uh, they've been working on building propaganda strategy. So, you know, it's like uh, Otherton window, <laughs> there is some theory. Yeah, when uh, some theory, which is not accepting, uh, which is not acceptable um, for the whole world, step by step, you can anything make acceptable. So, I mean, they follow, kind, they try to follow these things. So you're there, you're on on the ground, you're on the front lines, and you're working with real people who are affected by this. Uh, not not the story that's being spun by the propaganda machine, not all of the, you know, the fake news, I guess we could call it. You're there seeing the real human toll of this up close and personal. And, and one thing that I'm thinking about is, um, I know that you have done some work to counter human trafficking. Is there a concern yeah. that with all of the upheaval and all of the violence and all of the, the, the murder, the killing, that there could be an increase in human trafficking when such progress had been made in the Ukraine that it could go backward now? Uh, I, I, I'm not sure I got your question. Could you repeat, please, uh, the end of your question? Yes. Is there a concern that human trafficking could increase Trafficking in men, women, and children from Ukraine because you of mean, this war. You mean during you mean during the war, yeah? Yes, because of the war. Yes, 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 yes. That's 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 very huge numbers, like over one million people. It's talking about children and adults. Mm. Uh, they've been uh, kidnapped to the territory of Russia, and uh, of these numbers, it's like 200,000, 200, it's just children. So we're working also on these issues. 
to make the to find the proofs to find where they are what's going on there but unfortunately it's quite difficult because uh, when it's going about uh, the enemy territory so it's very difficult to find uh, partners information proofs whatever I mean let's think about that for a minute 200,000 children kidnapped brought to Russia I cannot I can I cannot even imagine frankly speaking I just realized that even when we talk about like raped women and children uh, something that you can see in official media is uh, quite different from reality. Because, you know, when people like my mom, like psychologist with a group of psychologists, uh, they work every day with them. So they just have no time uh, to talk to journalists, to put this information somewhere, to put it in social media, because they're just working, working, working. And so that's maybe where you have a bit lack of information in English-speaking environments because uh, people are too much involved in all issues that are actually going on here and really have no time to, uh, to post it, to put it. Um, uh, like we don't, have, we don't have this kind of media or even a huge propaganda machine or uh, people involved in the uh, media sector too much. Because it's um, was not there was not request for that. You know, we have usual media and some newspapers, some websites, informational. Uh, but now people too much work in some real actions, real activity. So you said your mom is a psychologist. Are you working with her there on the ground in Ukraine? I involved, yeah. Exactly. I involved her in our project of uh, White Ribbon Foundation because uh, like she's really very experienced and the professional psychologist and she's got a team of maybe 20 people and they've been working with their most cruel mm. issues of raped women and children. You know, yeah. when um, she started to work in Kiev things uh, nearby cities yeah where russian soldiers were and um, uh, she, so she started to work with the group and you know first days she couldn't even talk uh, ex to explain what's going on because uh, the oldest people were 15 mm -hmm. uh, of this raped community mm -hmm. and the youngest were nine and uh, i mean it was it was just something that uh, that uh, their brain couldn't accept, like mm -hmm. couldn't accept that it's possible in the world. I think it's really hard for people to want to understand that this is actually happening. Uh, you know, whether you're there or not, it's that, impossible. That it's impossible to get it's your head around almost, it. You know, uh, something that they when they start rehabilitation. They start not just with the conversations, with talking, because most of the people cannot talk. Mm. They just cry. They mm. they start talking. They keep keep on crying. Uh, so they start with some breathe techniques, with some meditation, with some art therapy. So something just to switch attention, to bring them back into mm. uh, into now moment, right here and right now. Uh, because most of them, they want the only thing they want is just to forget everything that was going on. Because this kind of cruelty, there was no such examples in uh, all previous wars for the last uh, quite a several years. Wow, I, I can't even imagine. 
Uh, you talked about the White Ribbon Organization. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And and uh, I just have to tell you, Irina, I went and I looked at the website, and if people feel that they want to help, I think this is a good place to start. But please tell us about it. Uh, it's uh, I wouldn't say it's organization. It's kind of movement that actually was started in Canada and USA. So this is movement against launched by men against domestic violence. So it's like like proclaiming of uh, uh, taking keep, keeping uh, keep of um, against uh, violence to, to the women and for women rights. So before the war, we used to work with domestic violence, and actually we were working, we were in working group of uh, criminalization, uh, domestic violence law in Ukraine in 2017. Uh, but now we're focused on these uh, psychological things and also in war crimes. So we help our government to um, prepare cases uh, for international courts. And this is like one part of activity. And another uh, quite important for me uh, is uh, where I was involved by uh, Alex Varabets with uh, his um, community developers uh, foundation uh, nonprofit and uh, this safe break project. Because I really think it's unbelievably important uh, and huge idea uh, to cover all our hospitals and especially children's hospitals uh, with this window technology on safety drapes. And if people want to find out more about this White Ribbon movement, which was started here in North America, you can go to whiteribbonusa.org. There's all kinds of great information, videos, and and ways that you can help. So, Irina, uh, Volodymyr Zelensky is a fascinating leader, and he has really emerged, uh, at least here from the West. We see him as a real hero. And his wife, Olina Zelenska, she spoke so very eloquently. I'm just wondering if you had a chance to hear her speak when she did recently. Uh, I, they're really amazing couple, and uh, we've met with uh, his wife. She was involved in some of our projects of White Ribbon. Uh, we invited her. There was some uh, project in, uh, I guess it was, as I remember, last year or two years ago. It was in the uh, American embassy, and uh, she was she was and she she was opening some of our events. Uh, so uh, on our issues of domestic violence, uh, yeah, I guess they do a great job. Uh, they uh, it, it helps their job, help uh, remind the whole world about Ukraine, about what's going on, and uh, and and support to remind about support to remind that like we're in the center, or the geographical center of Europe, and so uh, like we're keeping safe not only Ukraine we keeping we try to keep safe the whole Europe from what's going on so we try um, uh, we try not to let them go ahead right to, you're okay, there you're already. you're helping in a, in a in an interesting way you're there helping protect the rest of the world with your strength in Ukraine I mean, especially the nearest countries who actually could be involved. I, but yeah. I hope really uh, this kind of thing should touch as less possible. I mean, I really don't want anyone like I'm describing you some issues my mom working on. But I really uh, I hope that uh, I mean, this this kind of things that no one need to know to feel 
to see on their eyes as less people would be um, involved in that as better i mean uh, i'm pretty sure that it's better than psychologically for everyone uh, not to know not to see that i'm um, I'm sure that Ukraine is a very strong nation, that we are ready to cope with that, with the support of the world. And I really would like no, no one, any country to be involved uh, physically in the war. Irina, I, I will let you go because I know you're, you are very busy. You've got a lot of work to do. I just have one more question, more on a personal note. How do you keep going? You must be encountering so much trauma and experiencing so much trauma to see this happening to your homeland. How do you protect your heart and keep going and keep working? You know, for, for now, uh, my uh, instrument is just switching on something useful I'm doing. But I realize that probably uh, I w- I'm not absolutely okay psychologically, but we will see this later. Mm-hmm. As soon as I'm focused on doing necessary and useful things, like 20, like first month, I was busy maybe like 20, 21 hours a day. So I was sleeping like only three hours mm. a day. Mm. Uh, then after one month like this and eating just one because I just physically had no time. Uh, then I realized that, no, 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 that's not the solution. I need a bit to take care about myself and started to sleep at least like four or five hours a day. <laughs> yeah. But I realized that probably we will see I okay or not later when I'll be able to breathe out, relax, and then we'll see what's gonna arise uh, inside my brain. Right? <laughs> will it be some post? Will it be some post-traumatic syndrome, or I'm okay? So uh, now, no time for that. <laughs> no time for that. Well, Irina. Kopanitsa, I just want to thank you so much for your time and for the insight that you have given us here in America. I am so grateful for you, and I want you to know I'm sending you all of our love and all of our support. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for your support, attention to our country, to my nation. Thank you very much. God bless. Thank you.